This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Here's McNeil, 4-3. That's no good. Tapped around. Bridges has it, but time's going to run out on the Mountaineers. What a win for Baylor. Welcome back to the Baylor Bears. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski on the BetQL Audio Network. Yeah, they look like that old Baylor club that we saw before uh, their sit. They sat out a few weeks. Joe Ostrowski and Chris Raji here. BetQL Daily via the BetQL Audio Network live on the Radio.com app, 1430 in Denver, and the Radio.com Sports YouTube page. So we welcome on to the show now, uh, Dallin Cuff at Dallin Cuff on Twitter. Saw him last night on ESPN. Uh, making Jordan Cornette look good. Our, our friend Jordan Cornette looking good. That, that That's his main job. He just tries to set up Jordan, make him look good, and uh, Dallin's terrific at it. Dallin, uh, before we get to the college hoops, I don't know if it was dumb luck, but Eli Hershkovich books you right after we get big Steelers news. So I, I have to get your reaction uh, to another year of Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Joe, Chris, good to be on with you guys. Um that's a tricky question. Uh, let's be honest with that. I mean, there there had to be a restructuring monetarily. It was just it was like a an anvil hanging over the over the club. So that was important. Um, the problem is, I think we've seen. I, I don't know who Ben is anymore. Like they were great through about twelve weeks of the season, but it looked like his arm went away. And then he had that resurrection in the second half of the Colts game, and I, I don't know what they got. I, I know they, they've had boatloads of skill position talent for years and years and years and not achieved at a high level when Ben was more in his prime. I don't see how it's going to be different now. The problem is I don't know the alternative. The alternative is not Mason Rudolph. Um, you could try to draft somebody and see if it works out like that. I can uh, I can get you Trubisky. I can hook you up there. Hey, yeah, you we got a guy. Uh, hey, 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 thanks, but no thanks. Uh, you guys hold on to Mitch. Uh, we're good without Mitchell. Um, we got our own problems, but I, I'm glad at least they restructured it. But I have not high hopes for the Steelers. But bear in mind, it's, it's, it's like judging Duke and Kentucky. I'm not in terms of past successes. Steelers won six Super Bowls, winning winning division titles is, is kind of an expectation. When you go into the year thinking mm, nine and seven might be the best they can do, that's just that just does, it, it, it might work for a lot of clubs. It just doesn't work for the Steelers. But that's kind of where they're at right now. So you do think they're closer to the team we saw at the end of the year as opposed to the one that everybody kind of thought was the best in the conference? Well, that's funny. For people that watched all the games, my brother and myself and one of, my, one of our really good friends are on a text chain. We, we literally watch all the games. It's like our second screen is our phone texting each other through the course of every single game. When we watched every game, we just kept saying, I cannot believe this team is undefeated. Uh-huh. And, I, yep. and national pundits just don't watch them enough to know that like that was the least dominant 11-0 team in the history of NFL football. You cannot tell, convince me otherwise. 
Yeah. And, and but but it was it was it was a cool wave wave to ride, but then when it came crashing down pretty hard. Now there was reasons for that and all types of different COVID stuff or whatever. But overall, the team just wasn't eleven and zero. They weren't as bad as they finished. They're somewhere in the middle. But again, the middle is kind of you know nine and seven. That's kind of what I think is like. Just thinking about next year, that's kind of their not their ceiling, but that's kind of probably where they're going to end up at best. Dalen, I, I think that's how Joe and I we can we can sympathize with that because that's exactly how we felt with the Bears at six and one. It, it was how yeah. is this team six and one? There's just no way. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. doubt. The Bears have had. I feel like they've had that in the last like seven or years. It's been a couple times. A really good start, <laughs> but you're like, yeah, this isn't gonna last. This ain't real. Yeah, that that was evident. It was a wild year. You're playing Wednesday games, but yeah, it was clear. Okay, this is not quite an, an eleven and zero team. Uh, now let's let's get over to to college basketball. Um, has it changed now? When we were saying for so long, okay, we have tier one, and then it's and then it's everybody else. I don't know. Uh, many wanted to jump up and say, "Hey, Michigan's on that tier." <laughs> then the Illini did that to him midweek. So, how how do you look at that top tier? Is it just those two teams, or is Michigan, Illinois, kind of hanging out? Well, I still think it's Gonzaga, Baylor, and I do think Michigan's right there. I think what we learned about Michigan, maybe we've now. They learned that should have learned the lesson in Minnesota. They didn't entirely learn it, and the season's long, and guys go up and down. But um, they didn't show up in that Minnesota game at Minnesota. After they beat them by about fifteen or two, about twenty-two, I think the game before, like ten days before, uh, and they got shellacked. I mean, just completely dominated. But they didn't. They did. They did not come to compete. We saw the same thing against Illinois. Now I've played in games where the team's other best, the other team's best player isn't playing. There's a little bit of an edge let down. There's a little bit of a we kind of got this. A complacency, mm-hmm. and that clearly crept in because they got they they didn't show up again, and they got embarrassed. And, and I, but I do think that the Michigan is more the team we've seen all year. The outliers are Minnesota and Illinois games. That said, Illinois is going to benefit from Io being out. And I think we're seeing that already. Corbello has emerged and played even better. He, they've been they've been a looser with the ball. They've had some turnover issues, but he's played well by and large on both ends. Adam Miller, the other freshman, has stepped up. Trent Frazier's right, leadership has been great. Granderson's been good. Kofi Coburn's been good all year, but everybody's kind of elevated their game, their play, been a little more vocal, and that's with your closer sitting on the sidelines. One of the top five players in the country sitting on the sidelines. So when he comes back, I think they all will have benefited. All those players, especially the young guys, will have benefited from him being out, and now he becomes reinserted, hopefully, to the Big Ten tournament and then into the national, into the national tournament, and um, they'll be a team that can win a national title. I don't put them in the group of Baylor-Gonzaga and on the cusp of mission, just, just, despite what they just did, because it is the body of work through the course of the year. Part of, the, part of being in that tier, if you will, is the level of confidence that I have that these teams are getting to the Elite Eight. And then after that, I think it, it, it'll be more dicey. But, you know, Michigan, Gonzaga, Baylor, they're getting Elite Eight. I would be shocked if all three do not because I do think they are that much better. But it is a one-and-done scenario. We will wait and see. And I think Illinois has crept close to that line. I think they end up on the one line. I think their resume deserves it and their performances deserve it. And we'll see if that actually happens. A lot can be decided in the Big Ten tournament, though. Do you, do you mm-hmm. think those four teams are, are – I know you said a lot can be determined coming up here in the next week or so, but uh, can is it foregone that those four teams, in your mind, are the one seeds, or could you see Iowa or Alabama slipping in there? Well, resume-wise, Iowa could, I think. But, they, but like if you win the Big Ten tournament, and our, I mean, it's, it's human nature. It's not just society. It's human nature to have recency bias exist. We, we are most enamored by what we just saw and, and are most uh, re- responded to what we just saw, negative or positive. So if they, Iowa wins the Big Ten tournament, there's a, there's a and depends on who they beat, who gets bounced. If, if Illinois somehow gets upset in the first round, or their first game, I should say, which is a quarterfinal game, I believe, um, and or Michigan, same thing, 
could Iowa win it all and then they creep into the one line? Possibly. But their body of work at 19 and 7 doesn't really reflect it. Illinois at 19 and 6 is tight, but they do have more quad one wins. They have strength of record is slightly bit higher. Um, so we'll see how, how it shakes out. Alabama has a chance, but Alabama, when you look at their full body of work too in their non-conference, I mean, they lost to Stanford, who's not going to be in the field. They lost to Clemson, who will. They lost to Western Kentucky, who's a bubble team that probably has to win Conference USA to get in. Now, granted, those are, those are all games in December and November, but those count in terms of lining up on the one line. So Alabama has an outside shot. They have to, have to win the SEC tournament, and, and in a convincing fashion, Iowa would have to win the, the Big Ten tournament in, in whatever fashion. And Illinois, I think, is, is most likely there uh, if they – pretty much get to a semifinal in that conference tournament. I think their body of work there and how they played as of late uh, has separated themselves. The quality of their wins has separated themselves. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With ESPN's Alan Cuff, this is BetQL Daily. Joe Ostrowski, Chris Ranji here. Uh, regular season finales this weekend for the bigger tournaments before we get to the conference tourneys there. Uh, head coaching jobs, tournament spots, maybe seating. Are there any specific teams that jump out to you as having a lot on the line this weekend? Well, I mean, the biggest one is Duke, just in terms of making the tournament. I mean, that's, I, I was, about a month ago, I was just, I was saying to Lenardi, I was saying pretty much any, any show I was on, but primarily Lenardi, I was like, can we stop talking about Duke? Like, is it, it's, <laughs> and I wanted to, but unfortunately they won some games and they forced us to have this conversation. And now because of who they are, the brand they are, the clout they carry, and the fact that it's Carolina Duke on Saturday, that's gotten a lot of attention and rightfully so. When Duke's got to win that game, I think they got to get to the final of the ACC tournament and probably need to beat Virginia and or Florida state along the way to, to have a, to, to, um, to build a resume that is even comparable to a team like Michigan state. Duke has one quad one win. Michigan state has five. And one of them is they beat Duke on their own floor and handily at that. And Duke's quad two quad three record is these things do change daily. The other day it was seven and five. Like that's bad, and I might. I mean, and, and it's, it's well, not seven six. They lost to Georgia Tech. Like they are. This this group has a resume that's not commensurate with the other teams they are competing with, particularly teams in the Big Ten, uh, even teams in the Mount West. It, their resume looks more like a team in the Atlantic Ten right now than anything else. Um, so we'll see. But Duke, I think, has a ton of attention there in terms of their ability to to get into the tournament. Uh, coaching carousel things. I, I don't, I don't really, I'm focused more on teams that are trying to get in the end of the tournament. There are very few teams that, that if you don't make, it, it's probably going to be make or break situation. COVID does play a factor in this money buyouts, contracts more than we've seen in past years. Does One Mike Bray need to win was, Saturday? Does Mike Bray need to win Saturday? I don't think that really matters guys. I okay. think, I think Mike's in a tough spot. I think, I think Mike's in a tough spot. He's done a great job. And I think again, recency bias, they have not had the talent in there. Yes. Ultimately he's responsible for that. And he's got to get more talented players, but, they had a great run, man. Like he's he's been he's he's been a really good coach, and I'm not sure a different coach is going to change the problem. The problem Notre Dame has is from an academic standpoint and from a recruiting like geography standpoint, they're in a tough spot because because you're recruiting kind of Big Ten type of players or Big Ten type in that in that country, but you're playing in the ACC, and those leagues are very different in terms of what succeeds. 
his his brand of basketball. He wants to play offensive minded and wants to get up and score, which I, I enjoy watching it and I, I love talking to guys. Great coach and a great guy, but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to find ways to to win some games here. And I and I'm not and, and to get guys in there that are a little more tougher, a little more defensive minded. Um, I just my thing. Whenever you're a fire coach, who's the alternative? And if you're telling me you got somebody lined up better than Coach Bray, then okay. But I find that hard to believe. I, I'm I'm not sure if you mentioned them already. I don't think you did. If you did, I apologize. But is Houston a team we should pay a little bit more attention to? I mean, they've got a couple of losses this year that are losses you'd like to have back. But that tends to happen with a team that doesn't have the the, the ability to play a lot of the higher class teams throughout the season. But that's a I mean, they got three losses all year long. Should we be paying more attention to them? Um, I'm not sold on them. They have good guard play. Quentin Grimes has been really good. Um, but and Marcus Sasser has been good. But that conference is not preparing them, and they have not dominated that conference. They're a very good defensive team. But in terms of actually being able to, to be consistent in the NCAA tournament, they can definitely have a 216 without a doubt. I just don't think they have the offensive firepower. They, they, they do offensive rebound. But that conference, the American is so down, and that the, the losses they have in that, are not that good. Maybe guys were let down. Just, just like the Eastern Carolina game is kind of an embarrassing loss. Um, I think they have good guards, which helps without a doubt in March. But in terms of actually being a threat, I thought they were more of a threat, or would emerge to be more of a threat as years went, as the season went on. I think they've been revealed to be less of a threat in my mind because of their scoring droughts, because of their struggles offensively, um, to actually get to a Final Four and win the Final Four. Um, in this instance, I don't think that's going to happen. doesn't mean they can't get the Sweet 16. They're, they're capable of that for sure. Or maybe, maybe the lead eight is stretch, depending on the matchup. But the, but, but the offensive struggles, I think, will be a bit of a problem. Many of the mid-major conference tournaments in progress. Uh, do you have a favorite team if uh, they were to win their conference tourney? Say that again? In terms of if, if somebody You're, wins a conference tourney? Yeah, uh, of, the, of the tournaments in progress right now, do you have a team oh, that, you, yeah. that you love? Uh, yeah, I mean Belmont is uh, Case Alexander and Belmont have done a great job. Um, they can they can score the ball at a really high level. Uh, I know they they had some injury issues at the end of the year. Nate Mazinski is a very he's Nick Mazinski. He's one of their best players. Um, had some injury issues. He's supposedly going to be back. I know they play Edwardsville the other day. If he's back to full capacity, this team uh, is one of the best shooting teams, one of the best scoring teams, one of the most efficient offensive teams you're going to see. So I, I think they could best again depending on the matchup, get in there and have a chance to maybe to maybe get a win. Um, but that's probably one of the smaller conference teams I'm most interested in. Winthrop is, I think, what, 25 and one now, 24 and one. Um, they're intriguing. Pat Kelsey's club's done a great job. He's done a great job. But when you look at their conference, the difference with the SOCON is that it's not, it's not the Ohio Valley. It's a little better. They, they've run through that league. So it's hard. And, they, and, and this is where the mid-majors got kind of job is they didn't get their non-conference opponents. They didn't get to play in some of these um, multi-team events where they maybe got to play some high majors on neutral floors and really bolster their resume, really test themselves, really show something. So with Winthrop, I think there's more just question marks of, okay, uh, how good are they? When you watch them against their competition, you see play pieces you really like. You just wonder how much that's going to translate at the next level, and I'm not sure it will. We will, we will see, but I think Belmont's a little bit of a different story of fully healthy. Dallin Cuff at Dallin Cuff on Twitter from ESPN. Dallin, appreciate you jumping on. Uh, where can we find you this weekend with all the college basketball stuff going on? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm you don't know yet? <laughs> no, I do know. I was so much the longer your shows goes, but I'll be on ESPNU Radio on uh, Sirius XM 84 from 1 to 4 here today, and then I'll be in studio on ESPN 1 and 2, I think after the Duke game, I think 8 till like 2 in the morning. And then <laughs> Sunday, still, Sunday is still TBD. 
what that's going to look like. Um, and then I'm pretty much in studio noon to midnight or noon to 1 a.m. from Tuesday to Selection Sunday next week. So it is a it is that time of year, boys. Yes, it is. Have fun, Dallin. Appreciate Dallin Cuff always uh, jumping on the show. This is BetQL Daily. And coming up next, our best bets for the weekend. You're locked into the BetQL Audio Network.